The following program is sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group, which is solely responsible for its content. Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable. Equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Fast performance is not indicative of future result. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Everybody, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, coming to you live. You get to ask me any and every financial question you have. No question is a dumb one, except the one that you do not ask. We are live today. You get to ask ask me any financial question you have. We're going to talk about tax loss harvesting. How? Also, Fed's last rate hike coming at the July meeting, and the IRS is issuing new 2023 relief. If you had to take an RMD, you lost a loved one, IRS has good news for you. So I'm going to give you seven issues that can complicate tax loss harvesting. Number one, the wash sale rule. That means you can't buy something. 30 days before, 30 days after. Second, identifying replacement securities. Number three, dividend reinvestments and other automated transactions. Some some of you may have dividends on mutual funds where stocks automatically reinvested in additional shares. This can be a great tool to add to your investments over time. However, when it comes to TLH or tax loss harvesting. If a dividend reinvestment occurs on a security where some shares were sold to harvest tax losses, this purchase can inadvertently trigger a wash sale, negating the ability to use inadvertently, uh, analogous to this, any automated transactions such as the purchase of shares, contributions to an account, or auto rebalancing can inadvertently trigger a wash sale situation. Wash sale, if you remember, is if you sell something for a loss, 
you can write off winnings against it unless you bought it 30 days prior or 30 days after. And then there's excess losses. We'll talk about that. A lot of financial planning can be intimidating. You may not even basically understand the strategy tax loss harvesting. It's basically, well, when you sell a winning stock against a bad stock. So let's say you put $100 in, I don't know, Microsoft. And now that 100 is worth $130 a share. And you sell it. Well, that's a gain. You're going to have to pay taxes on that. But if you abide by these rules and you have a loser, say Disney lost money due to its imbroglio with Governor Ron DeSantis, that 100 might now be 70. Let's assume it's 70 just for the case of argument here. And I'm not telling you buy or sell anything just because I'm talking about it over the airwaves. But if you take the winning stock, write off your gains against the losses, that's called TLH or tax loss harvesting. So we're talking about that, talking about the IRS issuing new guidelines for RMDs that you may have missed due to the new rule changes. But I want to hear from you. Call us now, 800-321-0710. If you have questions, give us a call now, 800-321-0710. I would love to hear from you. The beauty of this show is it's live, unscripted, uncensored, shockingly raw. You get to ask me any financial education question you have. And also, for those of you listening, we have a 45-minute wealth strategy session where you get a free book, The Retirement Reality Check, when you schedule and keep your no-obligation review. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Fed rate hike coming up, maybe it's last. That would be good news. Tax loss harvesting and more. Now, generally, it's not a problem if tax loss harvests exceeds the amount of your realized capital gains in a given year. Up to 3,000 of additional tax losses can be used to offset other income in that same year. Excess realized losses can be carried over for use in subsequent years, but only to offset future capital gains. This may be fine if the amount of these losses is not so large that you won't be able to use them up in reasonable amount of time. But in cases where the harvested losses are quite substantial, or where you may not be realizing significant gains in the future, your accumulated tax losses may not be useful. Additionally, carried over tax losses will expire upon your death. They cannot be passed on to your heirs. Then we have tax deferral versus tax savings. In some cases, investors will sell an investment and harvest tax losses, they will then buy a replacement holding. 
conceivably at a favorable price. If the replacement holding appreciates to a point where the gain on that investment is similar to the amount of loss of your of what you're able to deduct, if you're in a similar tax bracket, the value of the tax deduction, the gain on the new investment will cancel each other out. And then other tax planning goals. Tax loss harvesting may complement other tax planning goals. One example might be for those who are on Medicare or Social Security. One issue could be if you're on Medicare, you could trigger what's called IRMA, I-R-M-A-A, surcharges based on your income. If there is a year with high realized capital gains, using TLH can help offset those gains and help avoid the surcharge two years down the road. With Social Security, using tax loss harvesting to offset capital gains can help reduce a potential tax hit on your Social Security benefits for that year. Also, there's something called tax gain harvesting. Instead, or in conjunction of tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting, or TGH, might be an appropriate strategy. If you find yourself in a low tax bracket this year, harvesting gains can make sense as part of your portfolio rebalancing. Also, as long as there are no associated tax loss offset, you can repurchase the security at a higher cost basis, reducing future capital gains taxes. Tax gain harvesting can also be a good strategy if you have a large amount of tax losses that have been used from prior years that need to be used up. As with any strategy, this is only a good idea if it makes investing sense for you. Tax gain harvesting can also be a way to reduce a concentrated position within a portfolio. Long-time holders of stocks like Amazon or Apple or other tech names might find themselves in this position, as well as those of you with concentrated position in your former employer or current employer's shares. So tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting could be potential ideas for you to consider. If that's you, call us, 888-988-JOSH, for our free tax harvesting review. We'd love to talk to you. Up next, we're going to be talking about the RMD rules. They're a changing, and the IRS, for once, is giving some relief. We're also going to talk to you about uh, what's, what's on the Fed's mind. What is the Fed doing differently that maybe they haven't been? Well, for one, they may be considering stopping the rate hikes, which is why the market is basically booming. So, and we always love to hear from you. So call us now, 888-988-JOSH. I would love to hear your voice. Pick up the phone and chime in right now, 800-321-0710. Next up, we have Frank. Go ahead. Yes, Josh. Uh, I, I'm very curious uh, in regards to investing in um, tobacco farming stock at this time. Uh, I'm a little bit shaky. You know, I have uh, many Native American Indian friends who are investing in that. 
uh, but they've told me that I live in a state now where um, what the cannabis refinery uh, plants uh, and refinery uh, individuals who invest in cannabis dispensation to legal uh, smoke shops are investing in doing a form of IRS uh, um, switching of funding to legalize the funding that comes from the refineries so they can comply with uh, New York state laws. Thus, I, I say to myself, is this a good time that for to invest in cash crops like in the state of Oklahoma, in the state of uh, South Carolina, where I'm planning to try to invest in some of the, the farming to see if I can, you know, av- avoid the, the, the conflict here with the cannabis investment. Do you want to invest in tobacco or cannabis? Ta- no, in tobacco farming. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't really see tobacco farming as a booming industry, but that's up to you. I don't, I mean, but, uh, are you knowledgeable of uh, the uh, bank uh, laws and uh, IRS laws that apply to cannabis uh, refineries? Do you mean you're wanting to buy tobacco because those who are investing in cannabis have a lot of legal thorny issues that they have to deal with? So you'd rather invest in tobacco uh, than cannabis? Yeah, they actually saying? believe that they can legally uh, go over the state bank laws of the FDIC and override certain of the IRS and, and place uh, cannabis as a form of uh, recreational investment. And so that doesn't allow me to invest in what I want to invest because most people are now opening smoke shops in New York City and they actually believe that's a lucrative business now. Yeah, but I'm I'm getting confused. Are you wanting to invest in cannabis or tobacco? Tobacco. Yeah, I, I don't really see a future in tobacco investing. And I know a well, lot of people no future anymore? invested in tobacco and they lost money. I mean, if, if you want to, I, I guess you could invest in a stock that kind of de-risks you a little bit from some of the vagaries of tobacco investing. But I'm not really an expert in tobacco nor cannabis. And most of the time I get these questions from people, should I invest in cannabis stocks? Should I invest in tobacco? I I don't like the moral implications of investing in those companies. I mean, in in one regard, if you have an index fund or a mutual fund, they're probably investing in like an Altria, maker of Marlboro. You're, You're probably investing in them indirectly and don't even realize it. But moral qualms, aside, which are many, and I, and I really find it, you know, a darn shame that they are opening up smoke shops and dispensaries. Do we really want to dumb down the American populace anymore? So I, I don't like giving money to that. But that being said, tobacco is kind of dying. I don't know many people smoking tobacco or chewing tobacco. I, I mean, I guess... When they go to Europe, they're still smoking cigarettes. And there are those stocks. I mean, I, I know about, you know, Altria and Philip Morris and, you know, Lala Lard and British American, all those types of companies that pay a dividend. But, you know, some of them haven't done much in the last so many years. So my invest, um, my idea is get a financial review. We can go over everything for you. 
And so you're not really talking about tobacco stocks. You're talking about you physically buying farmland. No, investing in tobacco uh, uh, investments, such as uh, the farming industry in uh, Oklahoma and South Carolina. No, I mean, I mean, uh, if, if you really want to go into tobacco investments, there are stocks that pay a dividend that have been around, that have a track record that you could look up on Yahoo Finance. I mean, you know, investing in some side real estate deal doesn't seem like a, you know, it seems like an easy way to lose money. I think there are other opportunities for you, my friend. Any other follow-up questions on that? No. Well, thanks for the call. And folks, uh, be like Frank. Well, don't be like Frank and smoke up. Make sure you call us at 800 800- Three two one zero seven ten. Just kidding with you, Frank. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. If you have a financial question for me, eight 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 nine eight eight. Josh, if you want the forty five minute free review, and you get to claim your book, the Retirement Reality Check. If you call within the next three minutes and request your free forty five minute mid year review, we go over your top five investing holdings from a standpoint of risk. Fees and taxation, call us now, 888-988-JOSH. We're going to talk to you about having a trust as IRA beneficiary. Could be your attorney's idea, but it may be a catastrophic problem. And the IRS is excusing missed 2023 RMDs within the 10-year payment period and provides 60-day rollover relief. And in coming weeks, there may be something called the Secure 3.0. We talked about Secure 2.0. We're going to talk about Secure 3.0. Segment, a new segment. If you're an IRA beneficiary subject to the 10-year payout period and would have had a 2023 required minimum distribution, you're in luck. You notice 2023-54 issued last Friday, July 14th, brought to me by a good friend uh, and listener friend of the program, uh, who, who knows who he is. The IRS said it would excuse those RMDs. The IRS also said it would extend the 60-day rollover deadline for IRA and plan account owners born in 1951 who received distributions in 2023 that weren't necessary because of the secure 2.0 change that delayed their first RMD year from 2023 to 2024. Let's say you took an RMD this year, but then you weren't supposed to. You took it early. The IRS is allowing you to do a 60-day rollover back in. This from irahelp.com, relief for missed 2023 RMDs. The SECURE Act provides that most non-spouse beneficiary of IRA owners, i.e. your kids, or planned participants who died in 2020 or later, could no longer stretch RMDs over their lifetime. Instead, these non-eligible designated beneficiaries became subject to a 10-year payment rule. In its proposed SECURE Act regulations from February 2022, the IRS surprised everyone by saying that in addition to the 10-year payout, annual RMDs are required 
in years one through nine of the 10-year period for kids who inherit IRAs or other non-eligible designated beneficiaries if the account owner died on or after they turned 73, generally April 1st of the year after the year you turn 73. That's also called your RBD or required beginning date. The IRS position meant that NEDBs, i.e. your kids, who died in 2020, or it could be your niece, nephew, grandkids, died in 2022 or after their required beginning date, should have taken their first required distribution in 2021, year one of the 10-year period, even though nobody thought that was necessary until February 22 when the regs came out. Even the IRS realized this was unfair. So in October 22, they issued another notice, notice 2022-53, which said that it would excuse RMDs for anyone in this group of non-eligible beneficiaries, i.e. your kids, nephews, nieces, grandkids, who missed 2021 RMDs. For good measure, the IRS also relieved RMDs for missed 2022 RMDs for this group. And it gave relief for 2022 RMDs for any DBs who inherited in 2021 from an account owner who died after his required beginning date. Should also be the case with 2022 as well. Basically, COVID from 2020, 21, and even parts of 22 stopped a lot of people from meeting with their advisor. Don't let it stop them from meeting with us. Call us 888-988-JOBS. The, maybe it's been, you know, two, three years from you meeting with an advisor, getting a checkup, call us. We'd love to meet with you. We can do phone call, Zoom meeting, or in person. And if you're far away, that doesn't stop us either. Call us 888-988-JOSH. Notice 2023-54 extended that relief even further. The new notice added another year of relief by waiving 2023 RMDs for any DBs of IRA owners who died in 2020 or 21 after the required beginning date. It also excused 2023 RMDs for any DBs of owners who died in 2022 after the required beginning date. So if you're an NEDB and inherited in 2020 from an IRA owner who died after the required beginning date, Your first three years of annual RMDs, 21, 22, and 23, are now waived. If you're an NEDB and inherited in 2021 from an owner who died after the required beginning date, your first two years are waived. And if you're an NEDB inherited in 2022 from such an owner, your first year of RMDs is forgiven. And that's generally because they didn't know what they were doing with the SECURE Act. Now, I do not believe they will be as forgiving in future years. I think the IRS is doing the wise thing because it's going to cut labor costs down significantly because a lot of people missed RMDs. So if you missed RMDs, Because you inherited an IRA in the last three years, you can seek forgiveness and not have to pay that gnarly fee. Next up, we have Joe. Uh, Go ahead, Joe. You're on with Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Good morning, Josh. 
Josh, I have a question in reference to President Biden's calling for a digital dollar to be effective July 26th. There's also talk about people who have to prepare for it, or otherwise you'll be losing a lot of money. Is there any, any information you can give that uh, how we can prepare for it? I don't know. I've been hearing this, you know, Fed now, the rise of the digital dollar. I, I think it's upon us with Bitcoin. And the Fed is really trying to, I don't know, research, test. I don't know anybody who wants to do a CBDC or Fed now or digital currency. I think those who are doing so already bought Bitcoin. They bought Ethereum. They're buying gold as a way to hedge against the Fed. So some of me believes this is just kind of fear-mongering by people who want to sell online newsletters. You know, there's a shocking cabal. Uh, all these other things that you hear or watch, clickbaity type things. What can you do? Well, if the Fed moves to a digital currency, I mean, you really can't. I mean, the dollar will become digital eventually. And it will be very similar to what we do with our phones, with Apple Pay, or with scanning tickets when you go to a venue on your phone or a venue on your airplane. I mean, it is the future. Now, I think a broader question is, in a digital world, how do you protect yourself from the Fed just manipulating? Well, already manipulating. They manipulated paper. They'll manipulate electric. Our government is refusing to get its debt under control. So what can you do? One, you can, I guess, support political candidates who are against this. Two, you can hedge with some gold. You can hedge with stocks, which are going to, no matter whether dollars go up, yen go up. The story of stocks is business triumphs over politics. That even with all of our fears, if you buy and hold stocks, it's generally a good place to be. So having a certain amount in, in gold, having a certain amount in stocks, Having a certain amount, um, and I'm not recommending you buy Bitcoin, but that's why some people like Bitcoin. So uh, those are the things you can do. Uh, any other questions or follow-ups on that? No, that's it. And I also think what the Fed is doing is they're, I mean, the Biden administration has released a paper and the Fed has talked about it, but then they've also said that, you know, they don't believe it's viable. But for those who think it's not coming, talk to your kids about Venmo or Zelle. And so how different is a digital ledger from a paper one other than the government is going to be able to control taxes more and stop uh, you know, so if you sell a ticket on StubHub and your profit's greater than 600, you're going to get a 1099. If you pay your, you know, your dog groomer, you're going to get a 1099 for that. So I think the government is going to embrace it because it's a way to tax hidden economic transactions of the past. So 
will we be able to avoid it? I mean, I, I guess if there, there's some type of political movement against it, but I don't even think people realize the depth and the scope of the problem. You know, this started, I don't know, 22 years ago with the Patriot Act and other acts under a guise of anti-terroristic activity. So the government kind of knows what you're doing with your money anyway. And you just had the ability to add a little bit of anonymity and cash, and that will probably be done away with because the government's so broke, they're going to need tax revenue. So they're going to convert to some type of digital dollar. Some people call it Fed now. I mean, is it immediate? No, but I mean... I remember during COVID, you know, companies stopped giving out coinage. Remember that? So it is more efficient to go paperless and to have an efficient use. But whatever happens if you new know, secures these things, what if the network, you know, goes up in smoke? So then does the government then forget who owes what? You know, so it's kind of interesting. I, I like the old paper system. Maybe I'm old fashioned. So, uh, Give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, if you want strategies to protect yourself from a digital dollar, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. Then we got Mike, who wants to talk about tobacco. I don't know what's going on with tobacco. Uh, when we return, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. Go ahead. You're on. Hey, Josh, how are you? It's Mike from Oyster Bay. And yeah, you mentioned a couple of those really good high dividend paying stocks, and I'm in two of them um, and we couldn't be happier. You know, one of them's kicking off about an 8%. And you're right about some things. It's been pretty flat over the years, you know? So, yeah, I mean, uh, what's your feel about the overall industry there? If you're in tobacco, I'd rather invest in, and I'm not really recommending this. I'd rather you invest in these higher yield dividend stock payers to buy. Like people think, okay, well, I'm going to invest in cannabis. Well, who do you think is going to eventually take over the cannabis industry? It's the companies. In a lot of ways, these tobacco companies, the reason why they've paid a, a good dividend is all of the, it's a very small industry. There's like, let's say three main companies. They own 90% of the market share and they're the government sort of finds them, right? It's almost like a toll road for the government. So they don't want them to go under because then they'll lose all that tax revenue. And then, I mean, I'm looking at one British American in the back of 52,000 employees. They own Views, Velo, Grizzly, Kodiak, Dunhill, Kent, Lucky Strike, Mall. Rothman's Camel, Natural American Spirit, Newport Vogue, Viceroy, Cool, Peter Stuyvesant, Craven. They own a ton. They even own Chinese brands. Now, you know, I don't really like investing in it because it kills people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would not, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to buy a farm. It sounded like the other guy w w was being scammed to buy some farmland in Oklahoma from some Native American friend or so. I, I don't really understand what yeah, he's Yeah, that was good advice you gave him. That was like a long, a long, a long shot I, there. I mean, it seemed like a long shot. So my idea was like, hey, 
If you're going to do that, you might as well just buy one of these stocks that have a tracker. Do I think, I don't know who, who smokes still. I mean, I guess people vape. Yeah. Now. I think like companies like Altaria, they, they, they hedge their bets with the kids with the, uh, with, with the vaping, you know, no, like no, I, I, no, I'm aware of that. And I think they'll also go to cannabis, but I just don't like the industry. Um, I don't, I mean, I think, I don't even know who smokes though. I guess people still smoke. You got a great, you got a great point that, you know, if the tobacco companies are, you know, they got all the infrastructure laid out, you know, to make money in cannabis if they really want to, you know. Um, I think they're waiting on, cause you got to realize a lot of these people now in cannabis are smaller. There are big players, the Tilray's of the world and others, but, you know, I, I've often thought that, you know, an Altria or somebody like that would just buy like a Tilray and just start, you know, because they have the government relations, right? They they know how to kind of play the game. But eventually, I mean, I don't I don't understand with all these people going to the health. They're still in tobacco. But um, mm-hmm. my whole point from a broader investing thesis is people will say like my nephew has a real estate deal or this or that, or my broker is trying to put me in a private REIT. Well, you can buy publicly traded companies where they're at least audited, where their, their records are public. And at least there's a track record of a dividend. So you can see, okay, it, it may not be a sure bet, but you know, it can be a pretty stable dividend or something like that. But, you know, I mean, if you look at the five-year chart of, you know, Altria, it's five years ago, it was in the 60s. Now it's in the 40s. I think five years from now, it's going to be in the 30s and five years is 15. And I mean, I, I, you know, it's a shame that, you know, with all of human ingenuity and we're getting better as a, as a, as a nation with technology, we are devoluting. There's devolution that the youth is still hopeless. They still want to vape. The youth, you know, 30, 40 years ago wanted to smoke tobacco. And the tobacco, they say, may even be better for you than the vaping because, I don't know, it's doing something in black law. I mean, all these things are horrible for you. So um, mm-hmm. just say no. That's what I say. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I was just making a comment to the guy like, instead of investing in some obscure land tobacco project, I didn't even understand the rationale. He was talking about like cannabis. He was talking about cannabis and he was talking about tobacco. And I guess the person pitching him on the idea was saying cannabis may be regulated by the DEA and stuff like that. So tobacco is a better play. Well, I, yeah, he might have been having some cannabis for breakfast, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, but we appreciate all our listeners. Uh, okay. Thanks for the call. And um, do you want to talk how about coin? Do you, th- do you think coin has a future? The, uh, the, the stock? Coinbase? Um, you Coinbase, know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, and at one time we owned it, we sold it. Uh, because we, we thought, and you know, some people, some investors still may have it who, who kind of wanted to keep it. Um, 
Coinbase has an interesting use case similar to the tobacco companies, right? Like very few can handle the regulation. So Coinbase probably will be able to handle whatever regulation the SEC puts on crypto. So that's sort of the investing case. It's up 184% this year, right? Uh, according to Yahoo Finance, but the last five years, it's down 69.29%. Mm-hmm. So it depends on when you got in. And I don't really, I'm not crazy about it personally, but mm-hmm. we're not rec- telling you to recommend or buy any stock. But the interesting thesis is it, it, there's going to be some type of crypto exchange, right? And the ones that made deals with the government or are subject to greater regulation, Coinbase, Kraken, uh, what's the other one? All the ones that, the one, the, the, the Edelweiss twins, Winklevoss twins, mm-hmm. what's their company? Um, what is that company called? But basically the ones that are subject to the New York regulations, those will probably the ones and the ones that have a collaborative relationship with the SEC are those who will probably win the day. Now, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss first filed for a Bitcoin ETF more than 10 years ago when Bitcoin wow. was trading under 100. So these guys are are smarter than we give them credit for. Now it's trading at 30,000. And, but, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I prefer if you're just going to be in the thing to be in the thing, not to be in a thing derived from the thing. Does that make sense? Like, Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. if you believe in the Bitcoin thesis, spy Bitcoin, don't like, but it's another interesting play to kind of buy things that are going to be subject to uh, regulation who are kind of cutting it. Now, the SEC has cited concerns about fraud and market manipulation in rejecting spot Bitcoin applications and the need for comprehensive surveillance, sharing agreement with the regulated market of significant size, which to me, once the SEC accepts Bitcoin, does it then negate its whole use case. So that's something, you know, the Bitcoin bulls yeah. don't really talk about. Now they say, no, it doesn't also, but uh, interesting points. Call me for the free retirement reality check. Get a free book, retirement reality check at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. Now, one of the interesting things is that the SECURE Act obliterates IRA trust planning, according to irahelp.com. Obliterates is an aggressive word, but it is accurate. Now, we also shout from the mountaintop that every trust created prior to the SECURE Act and named as an IRA beneficiary must be reviewed, potentially rewritten, or scrapped altogether. What was a perfectly effective planning strategy a couple years ago could be totally useless now. Here's how and why. Example, the year is 2018, two years prior to the SECURE Act, and all living IRA beneficiaries are still allowed to stretch annual RMDs 
for life. John, age 60, has a $2 million IRA. His wife, predeceased him, and his only heir is his son, Billy, age 25. Billy is a terror and has an extreme gambling addiction. You could insert any other child with a special needs. John wants to leave his IRA to Billy, but he cannot trust that Billy will be anywhere near responsible with the money. So John decides to name a trust as his IRA beneficiary, with Billy as the sole trust beneficiary. The trust language dictates that only RMDs are to be paid to Billy based on Billy's single life expectancy. With a trust as beneficiary, Billy is precluded from invading the account. Robert rests easy. Robert, you mean John rests easy, knowing he will provide Billy annual income for life while still protecting the $2 million from getting burned down at a casino over a long weekend. Fast forward to 2020. Secure Act has been passed, and stretch RMD payments are eliminated for most bennies. The 10-year rule is created. John does not update his trust or review any of his state planning goals. The original trust with his riddle language reigns the beneficiary of John's $2 million IRA and Billy's still terror. It is late 2020, and John dies. Upon reviewing the IRA Benny form, beneficiary form, it is determined that the trust is the beneficiary. As such, a trust-owned inherited IRA is created with Billy as the beneficiary of the trust. Now realize, I have asked top estate planning attorneys this post-Secure Act, and they have given me bad info, and they're the best at their niche. But we research stuff like Ed Slot's IRA Help website. We have him on as a guest. Uh, we, we review everything that comes out by him. And he's been a friend of the program. And one of the things is if you have a an IRA going to a trust, you need to call us at 888-988-JOSH for a free 45-minute, I have an IRA review and I don't know what to do. because. The game of estate planning has changed after the SECURE Act. As such, a trust-owned inherited IRA is created with Billy as the beneficiary. The custodian identifies Billy as a non-eligible designated beneficiary and determines the 10-year rule applies. John was only 62 when he died and was not yet taking RMDs. Subsequently, the trust-owned inherited IRA will not have RMDs in years 1 through 9 of the 10-year rule. The now antiquated language of the trust created just two years previous dictates that only RMDs are to be paid out of the inherited IRA. The custodian trustee of the trust follow the legal language of the trust precisely. There are no RMDs in years one through nine, so for nine years, the inherited IRA just sits there untouched. But at the end of year 10, the SECURE Act dictates that whatever remains in the account must be distributed. This is essentially the final RMD. Since the trust language has only paid RMDs, since the final payment in year 10 is considered the final RMD, the trust has no choice but to pay the full lump sum to the guy with the big gambling problem. And that's a real issue. Had John reviewed the trust post-Secure Act, 
He could have avoided a catastrophic scenario and design an alternative beneficiary plan. Instead, 10 years after his death, John spins in his grave while Billy, the kid, hoots and hollers all the way to Vegas. And why is that done? The trust language says to only pay out RMDs. Since the final payment of in year 10 is considered the final RMD, trust has no choice but to pay the full lump sum distribution of the entire inherited IRA to the trust and then distribute those dollars to the trust beneficiary. There's a way to change that. If you have an IRA and you did estate planning 2018, 2019, even parts of 2020, and your attorney didn't revise it in light of Secure Act 3.0, and your financial advisor hasn't met with you since then, meet with us, 888-988-JOSH. We would love to review your things from a standpoint of the Secure Act, which really changed the game on estate planning. And if you call us right now for the free review, that's 888-988-JOSH. You'll get the copy of the book, Retirement Reality Check, as our free gift. Then the, the next Fed rate hike could be the last of the Fed follies. CNBC reports that skepticism lingers as soft landing data mounts. Economists would have you believe that this is a tough call. Invest accordingly. Your mindset can make or break your investment journey. Now, learn to ask questions and make it happen. The markets are far more likely to be headed out of a recession, even though legions of economists playing with busted models never called it at that. Quarter two growth is tracking at nearly 2%. While consumer sentiment continues to rebound at a time when unemployment is falling to only 3.6%. Biggie, of course, is inflation, which is rising just as 3% year over year, according to the latest CPI data, down from 9%. Meanwhile, the S&P is up 29.5% off of last October's lows. I think that there is a good case that the next Basis point rate hike may be the last of the Fed's follies. Hearing from loads of investors right now who are scared that the other shoe could drop or that there will be more volatility ahead. And that's entirely understandable. But there's something missing big. Volatility these days is almost nothing to do with the underlying business case for owning the world's best stocks. Or think of it this way. You're owning the world's best businesses. It's a construct cooked up by the mainstream media, scores of super aggressive clickbait artists masquerading as financial journalists and big traders who have a vested interest in separating you from your money by rigging the game in their own interest. Don't fall for it. Remember something we talk about frequently. The volatility many people fear is exactly what creates the opportunity for profit and for Malden economics. So folks, I want you to know that we're here for you in this uncertain time. Call us at 888-988-JOSH. Get a second opinion on your money. 888-988-JOSH. The preceding program was sponsored by the Jelensky Advisory Group. 
Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including five-star wealth manager, advisory of the year finalist by senior market advisor, and top of the million-dollar roundtable are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth Quarterback website at jelinski.org. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to affect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the rendering of personalized investment advice. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC.